This is AgriPulse Drive Time brought to you by the American Farm Bureau Federation, the voice of agriculture. Good Monday afternoon. I'm Spencer Chase. Japanese Prime Minister Shinzo Abe will be in Washington later this week, a trip that follows a visit from his economic minister last week. Last week's trip was to meet with U.S. Trade Representative Robert Lighthizer and kickstart trade negotiations between the two countries. With that dialogue to be followed up by a high-level visit on Friday and Saturday, more than 90 ag groups and companies sent a letter to Lighthizer today calling for speedy negotiation of a new pact. Japan was viewed as the crown jewel of the Trans-Pacific Partnership before President Donald Trump pulled the U.S. from the deal after taking office. Now, Japan is offering more favorable export conditions to competing nations as part of existing trade packs, leading to greater concern among U.S. agriculture. Another trade letter was also sent today, this one addressed to the White House. More than 150 businesses and industry groups are calling on President Trump to finalize a trade deal with China that fully eliminates tariffs. They say anything that falls short of that would represent a loss for the American people. Speaking of trade, USDA officials are in Taiwan this week seeking to boost the American export presence there. AgriPulse's Ben Nully has more. The Department of Agriculture and Agribusinesses take a first-ever trade mission to Taiwan this week to bolster business. The country ranks at number nine as one of the top buyers of U.S. agricultural products, buying just under $400 billion last year. Foreign Agricultural Service Administrator Ken Isley is leading the trade mission. He says last year's six trade missions helped increase sales significantly, which reinforces the value of uh, this outreach activity and the great partnership we continue to have with the U.S. ag industry and with our state and with our cooperator organizations. The U.S. already has 39 percent of the food and ag market in Taiwan, but Isley says there's always room for more sales. Some 49 agribusiness and farm organizations are on the trip, which ends Thursday. The trade mission is the first of seven different ones scheduled for this year. For AgriPulse, I'm Ben Nully. The leader of the nation's electric cooperative says their industry is adjusting to the new normal after the 2018 Farm Bill stripped co-ops of the Cushion of Credit program. The program guaranteed a 5% rate of return on electric co-op deposits and was repealed in the bill to pay for changes elsewhere. Jim Matheson is the CEO of the National Rural Electric Cooperative Association. Speaking on this week's AgriPulse Open Mic, he says NRECA members appreciated the program but can adjust to live without it. Well, the change in the cushion of credit program that was in the Farm Bill took away an opportunity for the future that was of great value to our members. Uh, That being said, the compromise language in the final version of the Farm Bill was a lot better for our members than what we started with in terms of at least giving members some opportunity to unwind their positions in the cushion of credit program. He says electric co-ops remain financially sound without the program. If you look at the rating agencies uh, on Wall Street, the electric cooperative industry is rated very strong in terms of its risk profile, and we have uh, adequate access to capital from a number of sources. Aside from the cushion of credit language, Matheson says other parts of the farm bill will prove beneficial to NRECA and its customers. To be a modern electric utility, you need that communications capability to have data transfer throughout your system you're serving. And so uh, the Rural Utility Service that the Department of Agriculture has historically helped fund investments in that type of grid uh, investment that creates a more reliable and resilient grid with fiber from a communication standpoint. That's a really important part of what's in the Farm Bill. And by the way, electric co-ops have been making significant investments in that in terms of their grid infrastructure, but they're not done yet and we're going to continue to pursue it. To hear more from Matheson, check out this week's open mic interview on agripulse.com. 
Finally today, African swine fever has officially spread to every province in China after a recent detection on Hainan Island, the southernmost part of the country. The disease was detected on six farms there, China's Ag Ministry said on Sunday, resulting in the death of 146 pigs. The disease is fatal in hogs but does not affect humans. Since it was first detected in China last year, 123 outbreaks have been observed, resulting in the culling of more than 1 million pigs to halt the disease. Chinese pork production has taken a hit of about 5% according to quarter one filings of this year versus last. Prevention protocols have been increased in the U.S., including stricter customs measures and the cancellation of the annual World Pork Expo. So far, the disease has not been detected in North America. That's all for today's Drive Time, brought to you by the American Farm Bureau, the voice of agriculture. For more agriculture, trade, food, and regulatory news, visit agripulse.com. Reporting in Washington, I'm Spencer Chase.